0: Yes, you're listening to Life 101, where we live in faith every day. This is Line Upon Line, where we study God's Word line by line. And I'm your host, Pastor Adrian. 28 verses 9 and 10 says whom shall he teach knowledge and whom shall he make to understand doctrine and then he answers them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breasts for precept must be upon precept precept upon precept line upon line here a little and there a little If you're serious about your walk with God, and you want to understand true doctrine, it's time to get your Bible and follow along as we study God's Word. It's time to be weaned from the milk. Get your Bible, tell a friend, tell your pastor about this study, and let's get into God's Word, line upon line. Got part way through chapter 3. What I'm hoping to do this evening is finish chapter 3 and get into chapter 4. Let's begin with a word of prayer and then get straight into this uh, very helpful, very enigmatic uh, book of Hebrews as we work our way through it, chapters 3 and 4, this evening. Our Heavenly Father, we pause before our study. We want to praise you. We want to praise Jesus Christ. We want to thank you, God, for all that you're doing for us and with us and through us and just pray father that this evening you'll help us to gain a better understanding of what your apostle was writing to the hebrews and and how uh, we can learn from it today how we can apply these lessons to our lives today so that we can be faithful to the end we thank you father we ask this blessing in jesus name amen So let's, uh, let's begin then in chapter three, I'll just uh, call up the scripture here. Actually, and before that, I just wanna go back just to make sure we're following the, the logic of, of the apostle here. So it begins in chapter one, uh, just showing us that God at various times in different ways spoke unto our fathers, the prophets, by, by the prophets. But in these last days, he's spoken unto us by his son. So it's all about the voice of God and hearing the voice of God. In the past, it was through the prophets and by angels, but in this last days, it's through his son. So this is the the key point. Then in chapter two, he says, and, and let me just pause here just for a moment. but I, it looks to me like everything is fine. So I just want to verify that I am, uh, I am being heard. So I'll just wait for a confirmation that the sound is coming through because what I can see is uh, it all looks good to me here. So I'm just waiting for confirmation. No sound. And I'm just seeing maybe somebody's getting sound. Okay, it looks like there is sound now. I'm not sure what happened there. Um, last week we upgraded to a new version of the software and that created a little bit of uh, technical difficulty, but everything should be fine now. So I was just saying then that, um, let me see, I'm not sure how much you, you actually missed. Um, just as, as the apostle is opening his argument, he is saying that In times past, God spoke to our fathers through the prophets and through angels. But today, in these last days, he's spoken unto us by his son. So the the whole setup of this book is about God's voice. It's about God speaking. But how he speaks, how how does he speak to us? In the past, it was uh, uh, via prophets, but today it's via his son. Because of that, he opens chapter 2 and says, Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard. Again, it's all about the voice of God. We've heard the voice of God, but we have heard it through his son, uh, which is a direct message from his son, not through prophets, not through angels. So we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. So it's all about the voice of God. And it's all about heeding the voice of God, especially since it's come to us, the, the, the latter day saints, we could say, the, the Hebrews, the, the Israel of the end time, uh, it's come to us via his son. And, and then he goes on to say that, you know, if the word that was spoken via angels was firm, it it was it didn't it wasn't abrogated, there was no variance in it, it was God's word. And what God speaks, that's it. If that word every transgression and disobedience received a just punishment how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation which at the first began to be spoken by the lord and then was confirmed so it's all again about the voice of god but he's saying look and it actually sounds complimentary when it sounds kind of special that god spoke the god of the universe has spoken to mankind through our fathers, or to our fathers, through the prophets. So that sounds really good. But actually what he's saying is the fathers disobeyed, and they were punished severely. And the word that they heard came via angels and via prophets. The word that we're hearing has come directly from through his son. So how shall we escape? That, that it, it implies that there's a significant, a tremendous, uh, awesome and awful punishment that is awaiting those who turn their back on God. So that was chapter 2. Then chapter 3 opened up with therefore, because of this. So so because God is now speaking to us through his Son, because of that we ought to pay the more earnest attention, uh, because of this punishment that would come to us if we turn away, therefore, holy brethren, this is who the audience is, it's the holy brethren, it's the partakers of the heavenly calling, again the voice of God, consider think about the apostle and high priest of our profession so there's two roles that he has one is the apostle he's sent by god to deliver a message to us the other is the high priest he's going to facilitate the relationship between us and god so we should think about this jesus christ who was faithful to him that appointed him so he's this faithful apostle he's given a message He's sent to bear witness, and he's faithful to the end. We ought to consider that. Think about that. And, and the, the way he was faithful now he's going to contrast him with Moses and show that not only is he superior to the prophets, not only is he superior to the angels, that this Moses, who Israel holds in such high regard, Christ is far superior to Moses. Because, yes, he was faithful, so, so Christ was faithful to him that appointed him, the same way Moses was faithful in all his house. And that takes us back to Deuteronomy, I believe it's chapter 18, where the prophet C says that God will raise up a prophet like unto Moses and they must follow him. So there's this parallel between Christ and Moses and Christ is gonna be faithful uh, as, as Moses was, but there's a difference with Christ's faithfulness. Moses was faithful in all his house. He was a servant in the house and he was faithful in the house. But Christ as a son, over his own house whose house are we if we hold fast and there's constantly we see the the apostle uh, using this very big word with two letters in english if if we hold fast in in, um in the greek it's am but but it's if it's conditional we have to hold fast in order to be uh in his uh, part of his house so so we're the house of god but christ is over the house moses was faithful in the house the house belongs to god the house belongs to christ this is how superior christ is over moses and so and we are part of this house if and this is the whole thing there's this condition that we hold fast the confidence and rejoicing of hope unto the firm unto firm hold it firm unto the end therefore this is just we covered this last week but therefore as the holy spirit says today again this word if you will hear his voice it's all about his voice today if you will so they heard his voice now we're hearing his voice but are we really heeding his voice so today if we will hear his voice but the 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 implication is uh, to take to take heed uh, in the Greek a so are we hearing and then listening and, and acting upon what we what we hear so today If you will hear his voice, then there's an instruction. Harden not your hearts. Do not harden your hearts. And this instruction, harden, it's in the subjunctive uh, mood in the Greek. So uh, the indicative mood is just a statement of fact. Uh, The sky is blue. That's just a statement of fact. Uh, The subjunctive would be, I wish the sky was dark. It's not to say it is dark but it's subjunctive i'm I'm hoping it will be dark it it implies that it could it could happen it's not guaranteed to happen but i'm hoping it will happen and so harden not your hearts the implication being in the subjunctive is they could harden their hearts they shouldn't uh the apostle hopes they won't but there's a very real probability and possibility that they will so harden not your hearts. so this is now the the next sort of thematic uh area that we have to pay attention to it's about the voice of god and it's about the heart of the believer so the heart of the believer and the voice of god have to align themselves so that the heart of the believer takes heed to the voice of god and doesn't turn away from and doesn't harden and turn away from the voice of god so he says harden not your hearts as in the provocation oh there's something that happened in the past and it was a provocation and and in that in that provocation they hardened their hearts and this was israel this is the fathers that god spoke to that that he opened up saying in time past god spoke to our fathers and what happened they provoked god so we must not be the same so we must not harden our hearts as in the as in the provocation in the day of testing in the wilderness so they were in the wilderness and they were tested to see if they would obey god and instead of obeying him They provoked him. And let's just recount what happened here in Numbers when God said to them, go into the land. Here's the land that I promised you, go into the land. And he chose leaders from each of the 12 tribes. And these leaders, one leader from each tribe, 12 men, went into the land to spy out the land. And when they they looked at the land, it it was beautiful. It was flowing with milk and honey. The grapes that they brought back were massive. It was just a very bountiful land. And God says, I'm giving you this land, it's yours. But there was a problem. There were giants in the land. And they would have to fight to take the land. And when they saw the size of these men and how powerful they were, the ten of the twelve became very fearful. And that's what we're sort of breaking into now in Numbers 14, verse 7. And these ten spoke unto all the company of the children of Israel. So they just came with news to tell everybody, saying, the land which we passed through to search it, is an exceedingly good land. Okay, I'll, I'll, we'll grant that. So God did say that the land would be good, and we acknowledge it's exceedingly good. Uh, sorry, sorry, we're, I'm breaking in further. This is uh, so, so they resisted, uh, they basically told everybody, uh, don't go after the land. Now Caleb and Joshua are standing up and saying, no, this is good land, it's exceedingly good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us a land which flows with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear you the people of the land, for they are bread for us. So, so Joshua and Caleb here are standing up, resisting the ten who are saying, oh, it's terrible. The, the, these are giants in the land. They will, they will consume us. They will crush us. This is terrible. We're going to die here. We need to go back to Egypt. And he's saying, no, don't, don't be rebellious their defense is departed from them so so Joshua here understood that they cannot stand before God and the Lord is with us fear them not and this is again all of this is these things are written for our admonition in the end times we must not be fearful when we see people between us and the promised land we mustn't be fearful fear them not but all the congregation they they heard the 10 and they were listening to the 10 but all the congregation bade stone them with stones. So they they didn't want to hear God's message at all. Uh, cause the holy one of Israel to cease from before us. We don't want to hear that message. So all the congregation was begging, let's 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 uh stone them with stones. And the Lord and the glory of the then the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the children of Israel. And the Lord said unto Moses, How long will this will this people provoke me? So this is the provocation, that God has promised them the land. He's giving them the land. He's told them to go and spy out the land and now go into the land. And instead of obeying God and rejoicing in his promise, they're resisting him. No, they're, they're rebelling against him. And, and they want to kill his messengers that are saying, no, we can take the land. So he says to Moses uh, in his glory here, how long will this people provoke me? And how long will it be before they believe me? So this is the whole issue of the provocation, that they will not believe God. They question his character. They do not believe in his character. How long will it be before they believe me for all the signs which I have showed them? So so that was the provocation in the wilderness, that here the apostle is telling the Hebrews, don't be like your fathers. Don't provoke God. Believe God and so instead of provoking instead of provoking god and disbelieving him here's the instruction but exhort one another daily while it is called today so so there's an opportunity here for salvation but the sense that he's giving is time is running out this opportunity is not forever this opportunity it's not you can't just take it for granted Exhort one another daily, and this is for our admonition. So as we go forward, we are going to see fearful things. Um, This a time of terror. There are going to be many fearful things. And just as the Hebrews, rather than face persecution, they were reasoning within themselves and figuring out a way to turn back, a way to, hey, we're still serving the same God. Uh, No, you're not. If you do not acknowledge Jesus Christ as the Son of God, you're, I'm sorry, you're not serving the same God. And so they thought they could go back to Judaism and kind of deceive themselves to say it's okay and then escape the persecution. We These things are written for our admonition. So we're going to enter, we're entering into a time, and hopefully you can see the world is changing very rapidly, we're entering into a time of disrespect for human life, a time of disrespect for the Christian and the Christian way of life and Christian values and it's going to be easy for us to escape persecution there's going to be a way out but consider our high priest who was faithful to him that sent him and he's called us to be his witnesses and to be faithful so we must not harden our hearts and we must understand that today is the day for us so today we have to exhort one another and it's not and again this whole notion that You know within the congregation there are true believers and false believers and this is this is speaking only to the false believers no this is you hebrews exhort one another daily so everyone that is in it it actually the chapter actually begins with partakers of the heavenly covenant so so we are partakers of the heavenly covenant we're part of this calling and what those who are part of this calling and partakers in christ we need to exhort one another, encourage one another, strengthen one another. Christianity does not happen in isolation. Christianity happens in community, and so we have to. And later on in chapter ten, we'll see that uh, we mustn't, uh, uh, we must not abandon the the coming together. We must we must congregate. Christianity requires community. It's, we're, we're members of one another. It's it's the body of Christ. So exhort, instead of provoking God. Exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you, he, he doesn't say, you know, some of you are fine, don't worry, you have the Holy Spirit, it'll never be taken from you, you're good. But those ones that are the kind of the in-betweeners, look after them. He, he says, lest any of you be hardened. And again, the subjunctive thing, that this, this, very, this has a real possibility of happening. It doesn't have to happen, but it could happen lest any of you be hardened, how? Through the deceitfulness of sin. Sin is very deceptive, and the way the devil works in us is very deceptive. We, we need to make these big decisions, or, or we have to have made this big decision at baptism. And so we're not careful to answer, because the decision's already made. If we are uh, uh, too double-minded, then sin is going to deceive us, and we're going to come up with ration, rationality and reasons why, we can turn our back on God. So, so we have to exhort one another. And that's the very same thing the apostle says to the Thessalonians, that we exhort you brethren, warn them that are unruly. And unfortunately, just because of the time that we're in, it's a time of no respect for authority. It's a time of, of, of declining values. And all of this spills over into the church. And so we have a lot of unruliness in the church. But those of us who are understanding the word of God, we we need to uh, have a vision of what God expects of us and then help each other, exhort one another daily while it is called today, help each other to comply and conform with the mind of God. And so it's not just the elders that have to be correcting and helping one another, and in our, my co-pastor Murray, I remember this sermon that he gave about probably five years ago, and it's never left me. It was called One Another. And he just went through all the scriptures in the New Testament that showed our obligation, the obligation that we have to one another, which because it was such a concentrated message, it just, it really impacted me and, and helped me understand that we really are members of one another. And we have, we are our brother's keeper. We can't just turn our back on one another. So, so there is this sense that we have to have that we are all partakers of this calling. We're, we truly are in this together, and we're not trying to achieve salvation by ourselves, and you know, hopefully everybody else will make it, but I don't really care. Uh, it, it is that we want our congregations to be successful. Wherever God has placed us in the body, we need to be exhorting one another and warning them that are unruly, comforting the feeble-minded. Many, unfortunately, are feeble-minded. And some of these prophecies of what's going to happen in the future, they're really not for the faint of heart. And, and so those that are faint of heart, those that are feeble-minded, you know, weak-hearted, we need to comfort them and strengthen them and, and get them to, yeah, this is, this is difficult prophecy, but look where it's leading. It's, it's, it's sort of the introductory chapter to eternity. And so we need to comfort the feeble minded so that they can digest the word of God and not turn away from it, support the weak, and be patient toward, toward all men. We really need to develop this patience, which is just part of, part of this Christian process, and it takes time. Back to Hebrews. For we are made partakers. So again, that's how he opened the chapter, that we are partakers. So we, are, we have to do this, for we are made partakers of Christ, Again, this big word, if we hold the beginning of our confidence, if we hold it steadfast unto the end, Christ says, he that endureth unto the end shall be saved. So, so this is not, you know, this is work. We, we really have to understand what we're a part of, what not we individually are a part of, what we collectively are a part of. And we need to be working, supporting each other, doing all what God says, following his commands and holding on. Uh, that's what that's what the, that's what we were studying in the book of revelation that he says you know blessed are is he who reads and they who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things that are written which are written therein that that's the whole up so we're given this warning in revelation that here's what's going to happen your job my job is to keep the things that are written therein and so here we have to keep you know, we have to hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end while it is said today, so there is this window of opportunity, while it is said today, if you will hear his voice, again, this is part of the big theme that God is speaking, do we hear? He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Today, if you will hear his voice, then harden not your hearts, as in the provocation. So, so the, the, the people of Israel, the fathers, were stubborn. And he's pleading now, don't be like your fathers. Don't harden your hearts. And, and again, it's in the subjunctive mood. It means this, this could happen. This is, there's a real possibility of this happening in our hearts. The same way it happened to our fathers. And all these things are written now for us. We, we are these Hebrews that are, whether we're Gentile or not, we're, or natural born Hebrew, we are grafted in. So harden not your hearts, as in the provocation. Now, the provocation, God, God, this is how God evaluates Israel. So we read here in Ezekiel's time, when Ezekiel is prophesying to Israel, to the fathers. Listen to what he says. And say unto them, thus says the Lord God, again, the voice of God, in the day when I chose Israel, and lifted up my hand unto the seed of the house of Jacob, and made myself known unto them, in the land of Egypt when I lifted up my hand unto them, saying, I am the Lord your God. So this is the voice of God speaking to them. I'm the Lord your God. In the day that I lifted up my hand unto them to bring them forth out of the land of Egypt into a land that I had spied for them, flowing with milk and honey. This was whole, this was whole, God's whole intention, is to have a relation, a covenant relationship with Israel in a specific piece of real estate. And from that very specific piece of real estate, have Israel function as the priests of God to bring all mankind to him and to have this global salvation through Israel. And so he brought them forth out of the land of Egypt into a land that he personally chose for them, a land that was just very abundant, flowing with milk and honey, which is the glory of all lands. So that that land today is devastation, but God's intent was to make it the glory of all lands and that that will happen. Then said I unto them, so there was a condition, you don't just come into the land uh, with your filth. The land is holy, God is holy, the people must be holy. Then said I unto them, cast you away every man the abominations of his eyes and defile not yourselves with the idols of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. But they rebelled against me and would not hearken unto me. Though They heard the voice of God. They just wouldn't listen to it. And they did not every man cast away the abominations of their eyes. This is God's evaluation of the fathers to the people of Israel in the time of Ezekiel. Neither did they forsake the, forsake the idols of Egypt. Then I said, I will pour out my fury upon them and accomplish my anger against them. In the midst of the land of egypt so they disobeyed and they were punished and that's why the, the apostle says how shall we escape because now it's not god speaking through the prophets it, he's speaking directly to us but directly through his son so so he will accomplish his anger against them now verse 13 but the house of israel rebelled against me in the wilderness this was the provocation they walked not in my statutes and they despised my judgments which if a man do he shall even live in them and my Sabbaths they greatly polluted then I said I would pour out my fury upon them in the wilderness to consume them and verse now dropping down to verse 18 but I said unto their children in the wilderness so okay the, the fathers are a write-off now I say to the children in the wilderness walk you not in the statutes of your fathers neither observe their judgments nor defile yourselves with their idols i am the lord your god walk in my statutes and keep my judgments and do them so forget the older generation they're a write-off they're going to be punished let's deal now with the next generation these are the ones that i'll bring into the land but he says okay he gives them they, they get the same voice they, they hear the same voice they hear the same instructions and and hallow my Sabbaths, or make holy my Sabbaths. And they shall be a sign between me and you, that you may know that I am the Lord your God. Notwithstanding, the children rebelled against me. They walked not in my statutes, neither kept my judgments to do them, which if a man do, he shall even live in them. They polluted my Sabbaths. Then I said I would pour out my fury upon them, to accomplish my anger against them in the wilderness therefore say unto the house of Israel thus says the Lord God are you polluted after the manner of your fathers and commit you whoredom after their abominations so the fathers did it God God spoke to the fathers they hardened their hearts so then he spoke to the children they hardened their hearts and now he's speaking to the later generations through Ezekiel they hardened their hearts and so now in Acts, after Christ returns and they reject Christ, they say they, they, so doesn't return when he came the first time and he preached, and the Jews rejected him. Now, listen to uh, Deacon Stephen in his uh, preaching you stiff necked. So it's again this, this hardening of the heart, this, this stubbornness of the heart, this unwillingness to follow God. You stiff necked and uncircumcised in heart again it's the heart and ears so they don't hear and they harden their hearts he says you do always resist the holy spirit so the holy spirit is not new it's been working with israel from the beginning and they have always resisted it as your fathers did so do you and this is this is sort of the key the key phrase as your fathers did so do you And that's why the apostle opens by saying, in time past, God spoke to us, or spoke to our fathers through the prophets. Now he's speaking to us. But there's this sort of uh, DNA, this, this genetic disposition, it seems, within Israel to just always to hear, but then to harden. Hear, harden. Instead of hear and hearken, they hear and they harden. So, so Stephen says, as your fathers did, so do you. And that's sort of the, the, the warning in the opening of Hebrews, that in time past, God spoke to our fathers. Now he's speaking to us through his son. And, and how shall we escape? If we, if, if we follow this pattern, which is just, it's just uh, really just plagued Israel through the generations, we, we sort of have to uh, be the generation that breaks away from this pattern which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted and they have slain them which sh- showed before the coming of the just one of whom you have been now the betrayers and murderers this is strong language to the people to the covenant community who have received the law by the disposition of angels and have not kept it and they were punished for this even though it was angels that were dealing with them The word of God is the word of God, and they were punished because they didn't keep it. And and all of this language that we see here about hardening not your hearts, uh, the apostle is quoting from Psalm 95. And so let's just quickly go through Psalm 95 to get the full context of this instruction, not to harden your hearts when you hear the word of God. Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. This is the way we should behave. Let's just acknowledge that he wants to give us this land flowing with milk and honey. He wants to give us this salvation, this great salvation. And let's come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. And this is what the fathers didn't understand that those giants in the land they had false gods and so caleb and joshua understood that understood this the lord is a great god and he's a great king above all gods in his hands are the deep places of the earth the strength of the hills is his also the sea is his and he made it and his hands formed the dry land and this of course is speaking of jesus christ because the father did not form dry land all things that were made were made by christ and nothing was made that was not made by him oh come let us worship let us worship and bow down let us kneel before the lord our maker this is the response that we should have for he is our god and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand today this is where it comes from today If you will hear his voice, harden not your heart as in the provocation. So, this is what David was saying to Israel. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart as in the provocation, as in the day of trial in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my work. Forty years long was I grieved with this generation, and said, It is a people that do err in their heart it's the voice of God and there's a problem in the heart they do always err in their heart and they have not known my ways unto whom I swore in my wrath this is Psalm 95 this is the context of today if you will hear his voice do not harden your hearts unto whom I swore in my He swore this is the Word of God I swore in my wrath that they should not enter into my rest. So so God had this rest that was pictured for Israel, and they were to enter into his rest. And from this place of rest, be the, the priests for the whole world, and facilitate the relationship between God and man. But God said, nope. Even though they were called to be in this rest, God says, no, no way. The, I'm holy, the land is holy, The people must be holy. And they refused to be holy. So God swore in his wrath that they should not enter into his rest. So now we come back to um, Hebrews 3. So that's the context uh, in David of this instruction not to harden the hearts. Come back to Hebrews 3. For some, when they heard, again it's about the voice of God, when they heard, they did provoke. How be it not all that came out of Egypt by Moses? So we know that Joshua and Caleb were faithful. And they were trying to tell the people to be faithful. But others provoked God. But with whom was he grieved 40 years? So the psalm tells us he was grieved with that generation for 40 years. Now the apostles asking, but with whom was he grieved for 40 years? Was it not with them that had sinned? whose carcasses fell in the wilderness. So those who were faithful, God was not grieved with them, but he was grieved with those who were unfaithful. So it's, it's a matter of faithfulness. That's, that's what it boils down to. Was it not with them that had sinned whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? That's the punishment for disobedience. Even though the word of God came to them via prophets and angels. Now the word of God is coming to us through his son. And to whom, did he swear that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not? So, so Paul is reasoning with them here and saying, okay, this was a disaster. But rather than just see the whole thing as this sort of blanket disaster that God was just angry and, and, and it was a disaster, let's look into the situation and let's look into the hearts of the people. And what we see when we actually put a magnifying glass on this is that it's a matter of faith. That God was angry because he promised them. It's impossible for God to lie. That's why Abraham believed God and he looked for this land. Because he understood it was impossible for God to lie. And God gave an oath that he would inherit the land. And so here he he promises these people the land and they don't believe him. They they think somehow giants are stronger than God. And so they, they can't take the land. But Caleb and Joshua believed. And so God was not angry with Caleb and Joshua. And to whom swore he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Ah, that's what this is all about. And and this is written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world have come. So this is about belief in God. This is about believing God's word. This is about holding on to God's word and demonstrating to God that we trust him. So the conclusion of the provocation is that those who don't believe God anger him and cannot enter his rest. Those who believe God, God will bring them into his rest simply because they trust him and they obey him and they believe him. So continuing now in Hebrews, because of this understanding now, now that we see what happened in the provocation, let us therefore fear, lest the promise, and let me just go back here, yes. So, and actually he began chapter three by saying consider our high priest, the apostle and high priest. And we understand now that it's a matter of belief, and so we need to be working with our high priest not working against him so he says because of this understanding that we have now as to what happened in the provocation let us us the hebrews therefore fear take god's word seriously don't be complacent don't feel like you know what i've got it made nothing to do here god has promised me that i have the holy spirit I, don't need, I, can, I can murder, I can steal, I can commit idolatry. Hey, once I'm a Christian, I'm always a Christian. That's not the understanding that, that Paul is giving us here. The understanding he's giving us here is that if we believe God, we must obey him. Because the fathers did not. They didn't believe him and they didn't obey him. And they died in the wilderness. And sort of this, you know, they didn't just come out of Egypt and go into the promised land. There was this wilderness period, and they died in that wilderness. We didn't just come out of Babylon and go into the promised land. We're in this wilderness period. And he's saying, in this wilderness period, let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest. Any of you, not some of you, any of you should seem to come short of it that this, to this, this disaster could happen to any of you, it can happen to any of us. Let us therefore fear, lest this promise being left us of entering into his rest, we would come short of it. Now, what is this promise of entering into the rest that was given to them? Here we go back to Exodus 12, 24. And you shall observe this thing for an ordinance to you and to your sons forever. And it shall come to pass that when you come to the land which the lord will give you according as he has promised that you shall keep this service so very clearly when israel was established and the covenant was made this promise of the land this promise of rest was given to them so they understood very clearly that this promise was made to them now the same promise so so here He says in in, um, Hebrews 4 that we should fear lest a promise being left us. So there's this promise that's left over for us to enter into his rest the same way they failed with this promise. We might fail. And what is this promise? It's land. He promised them land but they didn't enter the land so they did not inherit the rest in the land so it's still it's still outstanding and it's it's now extended to us and we know that you know and and you know christians tr- traditional christians who read these this passage in hebrews they don't understand it they, they think oh the rest must be heaven but he says that this promise that was made to them has now been left us the promise has left us of entering into his rest it's the same rest that's being left to us. And because the traditional Christians believe they're gonna float up to heaven, they can't reconcile this promise that was left to them, that was made to them, being left to us. But we understand, we're not going to heaven. God is coming to earth. The earth matters, and when he comes to earth, he's coming to a specific plot of land, the promised land. This is a real estate, this, this covenant involves real estate. And the vision that God had, he still has this vision. And so we go to the end of the book, so it all began there in Torah, but we go to the end of the book in Revelation, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The earth doesn't disappear. The earth is not rejected the way Satan rejected the earth. God loves the earth. And in fact, he's coming down to the earth. I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And there was no more sea and i john saw the holy city new jerusalem coming down he doesn't say and i john saw all the people of god going up to spend eternity in heaven he says no i saw the new jerusalem coming down from god out of heaven prepared as a bride adorned for her husband and i heard a great voice out of heaven saying behold the dwelling place where God is going to dwell, the dwelling place of God, it has left heaven and it has come to earth. The dwelling place of God is with men and he will dwell with them. Where? On earth. And they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And it goes on to say he'll wipe away all tears. There'll be no more crying, no more suffering because no more death. This is the rest. This is the rest. God is coming to earth. He's coming to a specific plot of land on earth. And the people of God will be with Him resting. Let us therefore fear lest the promise being left us because it, it, it didn't get fulfilled. So it's left to us now of entering into His rest. Any of you, any of us should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached. So we've heard the gospel. Again, it's about the voice of God. Now it's about the heart of man. So the voice of God has spoken. What is our heart doing? Because we've heard the gospel. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. Oh, I thought the gospel was new. I thought the good news was new. But Paul is telling us here that we've heard this good news. But you know what? the fathers understood it as well they heard the good news as well but the word preached that's the voice of god the word preached did not profit them why didn't it profit them not being mixed with faith in them that heard it so they heard the voice of god but it wasn't mixed with faith so they rebelled against the voice of god so what we're seeing here is this is all about faith this is all about how we see god what is his character when he gives us his, his talents, do we just bury the talent and say, I, I know you're harsh and, you know, you, you, sow, you reap where you haven't sown. Well, if you knew that, you've condemned yourself because you should have taken the talent and deposited it in the bank so that he could at least get interest. So you have a kind of an understanding of God. It's not proper, but let's go with what you've got and you're still condemned. Or do we really understand how much God loves Israel? And he's grafted us in where we we're, we're Israel, and he loves us and he wants to spend eternity with us. and he's promised this covenant relationship involving land, that we will have rest in the land. But the word preached to them was not mixed with faith, so it didn't profit them. Now, when did they hear the gospel? When did they hear this good news? Let's go to Exodus nineteen. Now, therefore, if you, will, if you will obey my voice. So there's the voice of God in the heart of man. If, you, if, again that word if, you will obey my voice and keep my covenant. There's a condition here. Then, if then, you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people. For all the earth is mine. This is going to happen on the earth. And you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests. This is the good news. This is the gospel you shall be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation these are the words which you shall speak unto the children of Israel so they heard the voice of God they heard the good news of the coming kingdom of God the kingdom of Israel that's going to rule the whole earth and bring peace to the whole earth and they're gonna have that they're gonna inherit the land and be this peculiar people this is the gospel but it wasn't mixed with faith now Christ came And said, preaching the gospel, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent you and believe the good news. They got the good news. They didn't believe it. Now Christ is coming saying, okay, it's happening now. Repent and believe the good news. Is this a different kingdom? Or is it the same kingdom that was... Is is God going to set up another nation? Is is the kingdom going to be an Arabic kingdom? Is it going to be an African kingdom? Is it going to be a Chinese kingdom, an Indian kingdom, a, 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 a Polish kingdom? What, what kind of kingdom is this going to be? It's going to be the kingdom of Israel. That's why Acts opens with the disciples saying, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? That's why, that's why they rejected the Messiah, the, 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 the rabbis, because they were looking for the kingdom to be restored. And, when, and he, didn't, he wasn't coming as this mighty king to restore the kingdom. The, Israel has never lost sight of the fact that the kingdom is in Israel. And so Christ came preaching the kingdom. And, and that's again the same language we see here with Peter, that the church grafted into Israel, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. It's the same good news. A holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him Who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light so this priesthood that has been called out of darkness is going to show the praises of God so that the rest of mankind can come out of darkness and here in Revelation we see in the final book of the of the, the, the the Bible that he has made us unto our God kings and priests this is fulfilling the gospel that was preached to the fathers that you shall be a kingdom of priests a peculiar nation now it's fulfilled in, in here when we see a uh, fast-forward we see it fulfilled that Christ has made us unto God our God kings and priests and will we be in heaven <laughs> going to be on the earth this is the rest this is the promised land that we will reign from this promised land he, when God makes a promise he keeps it and that's what we covered in, in when we studied Luke together that a promise is a promise God can't make a promise And then turn his back on it and be a faithful God. We can never trust a God who who makes promises and breaks them. Teaches his followers to make promises and breaks them. Teaches his followers that it's okay to lie. The word of God is everything. It's his character. And, And it's never abrogated. And he never turns his back on his word and his promise. And that's where we have confidence. And so we shall reign on earth. So let's go back now to Hebrews. For we which have believed believed again it's all about believing God hearing and believing for we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said as I have sworn in my wrath if they shall enter into my rest although the works were finished from the foundation of the world so from the foundation of the world the works were finished there is a rest to enter into and yet he swore that these people would not enter into his rest but then there's this rest that from the foundation was was set that people should enter into it for he spoke in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise or in this way and God did rest the seventh day from all his works so this is something that's right from the foundation of the world that he he created the world in these six days and then on the seventh day he rested and this was prophetic And so from the very foundation, the rest was always there. The promise of rest was always there. And here he says in Mark 2.27, And he said unto them, The Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So the Jews completely misunderstood the Sabbath, just making it so rigorous and all these rules and regulations and just making it a burden. And Christ had to come and say, You don't understand. The Sabbath was made for man. God did all his works in six days. He created man on the sixth day. And then he rested to fellowship with man on the seventh. So, so Adam entered into God's rest so that he could have fellowship with God and God could have fellowship with him. And that is God's vision. They were in the land. This, this, this piece of real estate that God has, has eyed to say this is where I will rule from, and they fellowshiped with him and had rest. And this was God's intent. Eve unfortunately succumbed to to the corruption of the devil, and so did so did uh, Adam, and they were then exiled from the land because the land is holy. God is holy. The people must be holy. They were no longer holy. They had to be exiled, and so God went about now to continue with His plan, to have this fellowship, this this Sabbath fellowship with man in the land. And so that's why Israel was called, in the way that Israel was called, to enter into the land, to have this fellowship with him. He says, therefore, the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. He's Lord of the Sabbath, and the Sabbath he made for man. And this rest is for man. And as we observe the Sabbath every week, faithfully observing it, we are reenacting God's plan. And we're we're showing the vision that God has of this eternal fellowship with man, this rest. And in this place again, continuing in Hebrews, if they shall enter into my rest, seeing therefore it remains that some must enter therein. This plan of God is there. It was established from the foundation that there's a rest for man to enter into and yet these people failed they, they were right there they were right on the doorstep of the land right on the uh, and they were destroyed in the wilderness so then the children were brought into the land but they disobeyed him and so they were destroyed exiled and taken captive and and now this plan has not been fulfilled but it's a promise from God that there will be rest and the kingdom this kingdom of priests will be established in the land seeing therefore it remains that some must enter therein and they to whom it was first preached again the Word of God entered not in and why didn't they enter in because of unbelief so notice now in Revelation at the end of the book when God comes down to dwell with man he says he that overcomes shall inherit all things So paul was saying to the hebrews you have to be an overcomer face what you have to face be faithful be faithful unto death and god will give you a crown of life he that overcomes shall inherit all things and i will be his god and he shall be my son but the fearful and unbelieving the very first category what god hates what he what provokes him is when we're fearful and unbelieving let let us exhort one another not to be fearful and unbelieving whatever prophecies we have to read let's read them together whatever news we have to watch let's watch it together whatever investigation we have to do let's investigate together and let's exhort one another daily while it is called today to believe in God believe in this outcome and be fearless yeah, giants are in the land, so what? They serve false gods. Our God is the king of all gods. And he will crush them that, that, that oppose him. And, and he delights in us and wants to give us, let's be like Joshua and Caleb and believe in his promise. But the fearful and the unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, God does not tolerate lying. All liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. How shall we escape if we are fearful and unbelieving? When the Son of God has spoken to us directly, we, we have the Word of God. If you have a red letter Bible, you have all these words in red, the Son of God speaking directly. How shall we escape? If we neglect this salvation? Let's not take God for granted. Again, he limits a certain day, saying in David, and we saw this in Psalm 95, today, after so long a time as it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. For if, it says here, if Jesus had given them rest, then would he not afterward have spoken of another day? So this is just Greek, the the Hebrew is Yeshua. If Joshua who took them into the promised land, the children. If Joshua had in fact given them rest, then he wouldn't afterward, after that, have spoken of another day. So this promise of rest is still outstanding. And as I said, the the traditional Christian world is confused about Hebrews because they think they're going to heaven. But we understand God is coming to earth and there's going to be rest no more tears no more death no more filth no more abomination there's going to be rest and it's going to happen on a piece of land there's a specific piece of real estate that god has promised that his children will inherit this real estate so if joshua had in fact given them this rest then he wouldn't afterward have spoken of another day now let's go to joshua joshua 1 verse 10 then Joshua commanded the officers of the people saying, remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord commanded, saying the Lord your God has given you rest and has given you this land. So if in fact this was fulfilled, that would have fulfilled the promise, but we're, we're, look at the land today. It's full of violence, there's no rest. So he still speaks, this promise is still outstanding. There, Hebrews four, he actually says this here, there remains therefore, A rest to the people of God. This promise is still there. And this is the promise that we have been grafted into. There is a rest. God is coming to tabernacle with man on earth. And we will enter into this rest that was promised. The gospel was preached to them, but it wasn't mixed with faith. And this same gospel of being kings and priests in the land of rest is preached to us. To them it came by the prophets and by angels. To us it has come through his Son. There remains therefore a rest to the people of God. And and we understand this right from Deuteronomy. In chapter 30 verse 1 it says, It shall come to pass when all these things are come upon you, the blessing and the curse. So he tells them what's going to happen to them if they obey and what's going to happen to them if they disobey. So they start off obeying and then they disobey. And so the blessing and the curse, which I have set before you, And you shall call them to mind among all the nations where the Lord God has driven you. So they're going to ultimately disobey. They're not going to enjoy the rest. They're going to be scattered because you have to be holy to be in the land. God is holy. The land is holy. The people must be holy. And shall return unto the Lord your God. So there's going to be this repentance. And shall obey his voice according to all that I command you this day, you and your children, with all your heart and with all your soul, that then the Lord your God will turn your captivity and have compassion on you so this is yet ahead this is what we see in Revelation that God will have mercy when all these prophecies are fulfilled and we see it in Zechariah as well and will return and gather you from all the nations where the Lord your God has scattered you if any of yours be driven out to the utmost outmost parts of the heaven and we'll see this actually when we study Isaiah from there will the Lord your God gather you and from there will he fetch you and the Lord your God will bring you into the land which your fathers possessed, and you shall possess it. And he will do thee good. And this is also in Ezekiel. And He and Jeremiah, all the prophets have seen this. And he will do you good and multiply you above your fathers. So this promise is still outstanding. There, there still remains this promise. Back to Hebrews 4. For he that is entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works as God did from his. So, so God rested on the Sabbath. He worked for six days, and then he rested on the Sabbath day. He entered into this rest. And so here he's saying that when we actually enter into this rest, we will cease from our works as well. So in other words, in the meantime, keep working. The Hebrews thought that they could have an easy time of it, that they could turn away from the persecution and avoid the the hardship of persecution. And what the apostle is saying is, that's your work. That's your job. Get busy and face it. You know, I I want to just study this uh, passage in Matthew 25 a bit more closely, uh, but, but I think by implication or by principle. When he says, the bridegroom comes, go you out to meet him. I think we just think that means, oh, great, let's just go skipping and meet him. But, the, you know, five of the virgins say, we don't have enough oil in our lamps. I, I, I have a sense, and I haven't, I'm just thinking this through, that go you out to meet him means you have to have the Holy Spirit's strength to face whatever obstacles are there in the path between you and the bridegroom. And Satan hates God's plan. And so there's this intense persecution that is included in the return of christ that as christ speaks of his return he speaks of this intense persecution that precedes it go you out to meet him means be faithful be faithful and know that even if even if we are killed he has the keys to death and can bring us back to life so so when the virgins that are foolish see what is required to get through in order to meet him they realize they don't have enough oil in their laps. Can, can I have some of your oil? We're like, sorry, I, my, I myself may not have enough to, to go out and get through what we have to get through in order to meet him. So you need to go and find those who sell and get Holy Spirit enough for yourself because this is serious now. We have to do this work. We have to be the faithful witnesses to go out and meet him. So in other words, don't look for easy time now. This is not the time for ease. This is the time for hardship. We've been enlisted in this army, and it's a time for, for, for hard work, not for convenience. But when we enter into the rest, then we're going to have joy, and no man can take this joy from us. Then then we have rest. Now, don't look for rest now. Let us labor, therefore. That's what he's saying. That This, this is the time for work. And if that work includes persecution, so be it. And and it's us, let us labor. And labor again is in the subjunctive. It means it may not happen. I hope it happens. There's a possibility it will happen. But it's not, it's not fait accompli. So let us labor therefore to enter into that rest. Lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. So this is the whole issue. In the provocation, there was unbelief. So let us just labor lest we fo- so don't be afraid, excuse me, don't be afraid of persecution. Don't be afraid of the giants in the land. Go and possess the land. Be faithful unto death and I will give you a crown of life and, and exhort one another daily while it is called today. And let us labor therefore to enter into that rest lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. Look at the, the, oh, the disappointment. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? So he says, lest any, not, not specific, not, oh, some of you are fine, don't worry, you're good, but some of you, you better be careful. Any man, any of you, let us therefore labor in to, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of the provocation for the word of god is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even into the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart it's all about the voice of god and how that mixes with faith or not in our hearts and that's what god is going to examine our hearts and his this this word is sharper than a two any two-edged sword that man knows and so here when when john saw christ and when christ communicates with the church he says these things says he which has the sharp sword with two edges the, the word this sharp sword is the word of god and we just saw in hebrews what it's capable of how sharp it is and how how precise it is repent Or else i will come upon you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation hebrews neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight but all things are naked and opened unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do and i I like that phrasing in the in the king james the, all, all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Uh, the newer translations will say with whom to whom we have to give an account. The the, the, the um, Greek is, is actually, a, it's not a verb, it's a noun. It's with whom we have logos, with whom we have our communication. And, and I think, you know, with whom we have to do, with whom we have to give an account, even though they're using verbs for a noun, I think it's the right sense that each one of us we'll have to log us with Christ and his word. And he's going to show us the word that was given to us. And then he's going to examine our hearts and see to what extent have we conformed with this word. And every single creature has to come to Christ. And that's why he says here that his eyes are as a flame of fire. This is the Christ with whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed from into the heavens, so so now we have a high priest, so so you know, with whom we have to do. This is all about judgment. Christ is in fact the judge. And and and, and God says in in through John that all judgment has been given unto the Father does not do any judging. All judgment has been given unto Christ, with whom we have to do. But now the apostle is saying, because he opened chapters three, saying, Consider our high priest. Not just that he's an apostle, but that he's also our high priest. And now he's saying, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. Satan wants to take it away from us. At baptism, we professed. We professed. So now we can have help because we have a high priest. The high priest is for us. He's not against us so let us therefore hold fast keep those things that are written therein let us hold fast our profession for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin so he knows what it is like to be in this human condition let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now these verbs, to come, to obtain, to find, they're all in the subjunctive. It means that we may not come. We may not obtain mercy. We may not find grace. We, we have to use our volition. This is an exercise of willpower. That We're going to do this. Let's come boldly before the throne of grace. Even though we're weak, he knows what it is to be weak. And he's our high priest, he represents us. So let's go to our representative who knows what it's like to be weak. And let's come to him boldly and ask for mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. And and the Hebrews were in time of need. They were facing the, the Roman powers who were fierce. And these things are written for our admonition. So this time of need is just around the corner. It's just around the corner coming very very fast go you out to meet the bride the bridegroom comes go you out to meet him let's make sure we have enough spirit so that we can go you out to meet him and find grace to help in time of need it's coming Jesus so so I just want to end here now with uh, mark as we wrap up where in this case this uh, man had this child that was demon-possessed and Jesus said unto him if you can believe, again, the whole of chapter 3 and 4 that we looked at, is looking at the provocation, it's all about belief. Jesus said unto him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. So we can find obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And we kind of use that in time of need in a very generic way. And you know, we all have needs and time of need and we're going to pray because it's time of need. Paul is speaking specifically of this intense, fatal persecution, perhaps, that is coming upon the church. And in this time of need, he's saying, believe. And Christ is telling us that all things are possible to him that believes. And notice what the man answers immediately. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, I I believe. Help you, my unbelief. And this is just a beautiful example of how the Hebrews should have responded to the persecution. The bridegroom comes, go you out to meet him. Lord, I believe, yet there are giants in the land. Go and possess the land. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. We're human, we're weak. We have this unbelief. Help, help us to, to drink in your word so that we truly can believe and inherit the land. There remains a promise of entering into his rest because this promise was extended to the people of Israel and they did not inherit this promise. The promise is still outstanding and it's extended to us if only we will believe. I look forward to continuing this wonderful study. This, and and com- we have to combine it with Revelation so that we understand Hebrews is not written just as this interesting book of theology. It's written to help us to get through what we now understand God has revealed to us things that must shortly come to pass and how we can keep those things that are written therein what we're going to learn as we study the book of Hebrews together. Jesus Christ is Lord. He is a faithful High Priest. To Him be all praise, honor, and glory. Amen.